that you don't fist fight Matthew McConaughey about his Lincoln because you're just going to lose. And I mean, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, McConaughey is all about the all right, all right, all right hooks. Oh, Oh, I'm recording. Whoops. (laughs) Hey, everybody. How's it going? Once again, it is tall and short with Tim and Tony. How's everybody's doing? I'm doing all right. (laughs) All right, all right. (laughs) Man. You're that beating, hurts. That actually hurts a lot. You're beating your you're beating yourself up like Matt Damon from that one no, movie. No, like Matthew McConaughey and Walt, 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 uh, Wall Street. To an inanimate? Shut up. Hey, you Stop know what? Talking. We mentioned it in the last episode. So the tornanimate is something on Tony's end. Shut up. When we were both roommates. I hate you. <laughs> hey. You're dead to me. It was the <laughs> it was the best thing ever. So Tony was playing Injustice 2, Gods Among Us. Yes. We were looking through all the different characters and their various skins. And they have one skin called the tournament skin, which is black and gold. And mm-hmm. Tony, for some odd reason, couldn't say the word tournament. I had a mild episode of cranial function. It's like the or lack thereof. It's like the record needle on his brain just went Yeah. It's he he just hey said, "Hey guys, you like this tenement? Tenement skin." Um, I was happened? I was sitting on the couch initially. Then I was on the ground, holding my sides, <laughs> having a difficult time breathing because I was laughing so hard. And I said it just like that. There was no like pause. It was like I know how to say this word tenement, and it just. And it just and it went. Just word vomited out of my face hole. I could not help but laugh. I I was in tears. I hate you. I'm surprised I didn't have abs by the end of it by how much I was laughing. I'm gonna kill you. Got that on audio. It's not an admission of guilt. <laughs> it just makes it pre-planned, premeditated. That was the word I was thinking of. <laughs> pre-planned, premeditated, which it doesn't make it. No, no, eh. But anyway, currently we're in 2023, but we're going to go back quite a few years. Back to the 1830s, Tony. We're going Victorian on this today. We're in my realm of expertise. Oh, God. Plagues and masks. People like... That's the 1500s. No, that's 2020. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. You got me there. You got me there. Not wrong. Not wrong. So, little... We're gonna, about almost 200 years ago. We're heading that way. We're going back to jolly old England. Cheerio. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Oh, doom and gloom of England in the yep. 1800s. Yeah. I mean, I like the Victorian era, mostly for the fashion. Mostly for the clothing. Mostly for the clothing. But otherwise, like, you know, all the human rights violations <laughs> that we put nowadays, child labor laws, women being viewed as nothing more than, you know, Furniture, really? Pretty much. And and just, the, you know, how people viewed, how people treated mental health disorders as well as, uh, you know, people who were LGBTQ. Just a lot of stuff that was way backwards back then. But, but the clothes. Absolutely. <laughs> kind of, that's, that's where it's at. Like, I used to romanticize the Victorian era, but looking on it now, I'm just like, ugh. I would not want to live there. No. Especially because... Great place to visit. Not a great place to be. Especially be, especially because, you know, it was also pretty grimy. Like, we're talking... a lot. They didn't have indoor plumbing for a while. 
and they threw their chamber you have pots. Indoor plenum? And they cha- and they threw their chamber pots out the window. I love how you just glazed over that comment. I didn't even hear what you said. You have indoor plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got me there. That's why I have a privacy fence in the backyard. What are you talking about? I've got privacy. Because you have indoor plumbing. Exactly. Anyway. Victorian era. Yeah. So Enough about my problems. We're going to specifically focus, <laughs> going to specifically focus on something here. In October 1837, a servant girl by the name of Mary Stevens was walking through Clipham Common, an urban park in London, kind of like, um, uh, kind of like, Rans- kind of like a... The big Manhattan Park. I forgot what it's called. Central Park? Cent- Central Park in Manhattan. I'm d- Ugh. You are nailing it, buddy. I am already hitting it on the head. My bad. Anyway. What's that What's that park in the Central Park of Manhattan? <laughs> Central Park? Ugh. I got that. I, uh, anyway. So, yeah, Clapham. You've been there. I was only in a part of it. Anyway. In, yeah, in, in, Clapham, in Clapham Common, an urban park in London. Yeah. Uh, this Mary Stevens reported being assaulted by a menacing figure who leapt from a dark alley. The assailant subdued Mary and kissed her face, ripped her clothes with claws, and had a cold and clammy grip like a corpse's. Already pretty disgusting. And I should have said at the top of this that uh, trigger warning for potential uh, sexual assault for anybody. I should have said that beforehand. My bad. Need to do that more at the top of the episodes. On Probably should, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Mary was able to scream loudly enough, though, which not only scared away her assailant, but also managed to get the attention of several nearby residencies who went out to see what the matter was. The residents then formed a small mob and began a hunt for the mysterious man, but they were unable to find him. This happened at night as well. Of course. So everything happens at night. Yes. But a day after this incident, Nida, in this case, the mysterious man appeared once again in the same neighborhood, likely trying to find and assault Mary again. But this time he was scared off by a passing carriage, which he leapt in front of, startling the horses and causing the driver to lose control and crash the carriage. The driver, driver got hurt, but was otherwise okay. Witnesses to the events say the figure then leapt away, jumping over a nine-foot-tall fence cackling loudly as he vanished into the night. So that's just you on the weekends. <laughs> that's... that's actually how they described it. Loud, high-pitched ringing. So, I could imagine that. Newspapers would go on to give the figure the name Spring-Heeled Jack. Jumping Jack, fly- wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Spring-Heeled Jack, due to his unnatural ability to leap great distances. In the following months, thus the remainder of 1837, since it was October, there will be multiple encounters that all seem to involve this very entity throughout several districts in London. And London, I did looking into it, it's a small part. London is massive. It's kind of like Oklahoma City in that OKC yes. has OKC, yes, OKC in the middle. Then you have Edmund in the north and Yukon and Mustang in the west and Norman and Moore in the south. It's like everything is in the metro district, so London has all these different districts. But we're going to mainly just call it London for the time being. London called... Wait, no, copyright. Hang on. (laughs) Yeah, careful. (laughs) So much so with all of these uh, encounters that January 9th, 1838, 
the Lord Mayor of London, Sir John Cowan, had to make a public meeting, wherein he brought forth a letter from a correspondence in the district of Peckham. I did some looking into the Lord of, into the Lord Mayor of London. It's only an annual office, so like you hold it for one year. So it's more like Prime Minister, probably. Give or take. <laughs> give or take. Oh, hang on, though. It's now, a full year. A, no, she didn't even last a year. Yeah, she didn't last three months. No. 46 days. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. the le- Anyway, the letter verbatim, which I actually managed to find in an old copy of a newspaper from the time period. Impressive. Yep. They, and I might want to do this in an accent. <clears throat> to the right honorable the Lord Mayor, my lord. The writer presumes that your leadership will kindly overlook the liberty he has taken in addressing a few lines in a subject which, within the few last weeks, has caused much alarming sensation in the neighborings within the three and four miles of London. It appears that some individuals, of, as the writer believes, the highest ranks of life, have laid a wager with a mysterious and foolhardy companion that he durst not take upon himself the task of visiting many of the villages near London in three different disguises, a ghost, a bear, and a devil, and moreover, that he will not dare to enter gentlemen's gardens for the purpose of alarming the inmates of the house. The wager, however, has been accepted, and the unmanly villain has succeeded in depriving seven ladies of their senses. At one house, the man rang the bell, and on the servant coming to the open door, this worse than brute stood in no less dreadful figure than a spectre clad most perfectly. The consequence was that the poor girl immediately swooned and has never from that moment been in her senses. But on seeing any man, screams out most violently, Take him away! There are two ladies, which your lordship will regret to hear, who have husbands and children and who are not expected to recover, but likely to become burdens upon their families. For fear that your lordship might imagine that the writer exaggerates, he will refrain from mentioning other cases. If anything, more melancholy than those he has already related. The affair has now been going on for some time, and strange to say, the papers are still silent on the subject. The writer is very unwilling to be unjust towards any man, but he has reason to believe that they have the whole history of their finger ends, but through interested motives, are induced to remain silent. It is, however, high time that such a detestable nuisance should be put a stop to, and the writer feels assured that your lordship, as the chief magistrate of London, will take great pleasure in exerting your power to bring the villain to justice. Hoping your lordship will pardon the liberty I have taken in writing, I remain your lordship's most humble servant, a resident of Peckham. Two things. Shoot. <clears throat> I'm astounded by the, your ability to grow a monocle on top out, out of your face like that. I have that ability. It's the mustache. <laughs> you should know this by now. It is. Two. Isn't it nice to hear someone complain to their government in such an eloquent way? They wrote things way different back in the day, man. Like, they were very, they were much more eloquent than they are nowadays. Now it's just an angry tweet of, fuck you, government. I was going to say, hard cut to today. <laughs> Or, say, maybe three years ago and some change. Yeah. Maybe a sixth of January time frame. Mm. Ooh. 
Oh boy. Ooh, that burned. Yeah. Anyway. 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 Eloquence. Yeah. They wrote. Uh, I had to that do it in the was, voice, I think, too, because that was the way they the way they did talk back then was especially because it's Victorian England. It was a little bit more different than how we speak. Yeah. So I think the accent. There's not one helped. mention of football. I know, right? <laughs> but now, bizarre. but but in short, in regards to the letter, the Lord Mayor and a few others thought that the early incidences were a bunch of rich guys being you know bored with life and just. Decided to cause fear and panic. What? And just being weird. Just being assholes. Oh. Being assholes for their own amusement, terrorizing women throughout the various neighborhoods and districts of London. The Lord Mayor made it clear that the perpetrator or perpetrators would be caught and punished to the fullest extent of the law. Spoilers. They never were. Hold up. Oh my God. A little over a month later after this meeting, on the night of February 19th, 1838, Springhield struck again, and the incident gave us the most defining, definitive description of the figure. Say that three times fast. No. <laughs> Late on the night of the 19th, possibly into the 20th, so it may have been around midnight-ish. Yeah. A knock Witching was, hour. Yep. A knock was heard at the door of a London residence. 18-year-old Jane Alsop had opened the door. She checked it out. She even heard someone yelling, For God's sake! Bring me a light, for we have caught Springhill Jack in the lane. She brought a candle to the door, and when she opened it, she saw the person before her, wearing a large black cloak. When Jane handed the figure the candle, he threw off the cloak, and she described him as a short, round, impish man with a sharp-pointed nose, a balding head with long, wiry, dark hair, deep-set, dark eyes, pale skin, cold, clammy, webbed hands, and wearing what appeared to be white long johns under his cloak, saying... You didn't invite me, so I crashed. Hang on a second. I was describing the penguin played by Danny DeVito in Batman Returns. I was going to say, you're just describing Danny DeVito at this point. <laughs> Jesus. <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see it because it's an audio podcast, clearly. <laughs> but my head, the way we've got set up, we've got these giant foam boxes in front of us with our microphones in them. And my head just panned around the box slowly like... <laughs> My guy, you're describing DeVito. <laughs> anyway, now nah, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I couldn't resist. I was. I I couldn't resist. But what Jane Alsop actually described was the figure having an a most hideous and frightening appearance. Before he spat blue and white flames, while his eyes seemed to glow <laughs> like red balls of fire. She that escalated very quickly. Yep. Jesus. She described her attacker as wearing a tight-fitting outfit that looked as if it were made of white oil skin, and the figure wore an odd helmet. Without word or warning, the figure lunged forward and began to tear at her clothing with what she thought were metal claws on the assassin's fingertips. What you do on the weekend is your own thing. Ah, uh, <laughs> That's... <laughs> Just the metal cl- the outfit sounds like something you would do. A white oil skin with a black cloak over it and claws? And a helmet? Do you not have that sitting in your closet? Miraculously, no. I have the cloak, I don't have the oil skin. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> <laughs> that is the fireballs. The flames. Like, supposedly what took the candle the f- up to his face, just... <laughs> That's when you've had too much to drink. 
Alsop screamed, though. Yeah, Alsop <laughs> screamed as she fought back against her attacker, who also managed to claw at her neck and arms, leaving behind leaving marks, actual marks. Yeah. yeah. Her, her screams were enough to gather the attention of one of her sisters, as well as her father and some neighbors. The sisters managed to get Jane back inside while the assailants stayed at the front door, knocking a few more times before bounding away into the night. Just like, hey, come on, let me in! Just, uh, just, come on, I'm not, I'm not gonna hurt ya! It's like go, trying to go full The Shining. Just... <laughs> Ooh, I, the, you have gone from Dickensian English gent to you're just an angry guy from Philly. <laughs> Come Unintent- on, let me in. Unintentionally with the, unintentionally with the, with the, with the. Shout out to Philly. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> but after a few attempts at knocking on the door, the figure bounded into the night. There were some more who reported that Spring Hill Jack had left his cloak behind, but another person had came by and grabbed it. Given the suspicion, given the suspicion that Spring Hill Jack may have had accomplices. But there, that was that was not much on sources in that one. No. Nothing went anywhere on that after that. No more than a week and a half later, Spring Hill Jack was spotted again. On February 28th, 18-year-old Lucy Scales and her sister were heading home from seeing their brother, who followed in their father's footsteps by being a butcher. In the district right. of in the district of Limehouse. Okay. Making their way through Green Dragon Alley. The sisters noticed a figure in a cloak standing at the passageway carrying a bullseye lantern, which looks like yeah. the stereotypical lantern. With just the, it's like a spotlight on no. a police car, isn't it? No, 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 no. No, like, this is Victorian. It's like the big oil lamps. Oh, okay. Like one okay. of those with the big round lens on the front so it shines the direction. Like yeah. That thing. So that's a that's that a bullseye lantern. Kind of like a spotlight on a cop car or something. Yeah, yeah. but not electric. Fire. Boogie, boogie, boogie. <laughs> These types of lanterns were carried by police, as we mentioned. Lucy was just in front of her sister when, as she got closer to the figure, the figure spat blue and white flames at her, which caused Lucy to convulse and seize into fits of hysteria. Jesus. These lasted for several hours. The figure didn't do much else and left into the night. The sister's brother heard the commotion and ran to see what was going on. He and his sister then grabbed Lucy and got her back inside, where the sister recounted what had happened to their brother. Unfortunately, there weren't a lot of other, you know, major stories that I could find. Yeah. Just for this. Because age, I imagine, is probably a major factor in this, but... Yeah, not a lot of not a lot of records were kept. Yeah. Allegedly, there were hundreds to possibly even thousands of people who encountered this figure, spring Heel Jack. What the f- but they weren't, they possibly weren't any more than just, you know, oh, I saw him, but that was it. I saw him go over my neighbor brother's cousin's house. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, like... this, yeah they saw him throughout London, par- parts of the Midlands, and some even think he made it. Jesus. That caught me off guard. That caught me off guard, too. Yeah, hang on. Some people saw him in the Midlands. Other people claim to have seen him all the way as far north as Scotland. Which is pretty far from London, so yeah, spring... that's a little bit of a. It's more than a couple of jumps and hops. That's for definitely old Spring Hill. That's definitely a leap. He's gonna have to take the train. Oh yeah, at some point. That other stories were not easy. Most of the reports just kept popping up for a few decades, albeit slowly they became more frequent again. 
one of the last major reports that might have been Springheel Jack was in August of 1877 at the Aldershot Garrison. I've heard about this one. Yeah, I mil- know that one. A military town in southeast England. Yep. While on duty on the North Camp, a sentry guard noticed a figure approaching him in the night. When the sentry ordered the figure to identify itself, it remained silent. And soon, the figure was right up on the was right up on the sentry, who then received several slaps and scratches to the face. Just got bitch slapped by the figure. Yeah. In response, <laughs> wow. In response, the sentry fired his rifle at the figure, but seemed to have no effect. Yep. Soon Allegedly after, just basically went straight through him. Yep, or didn't even hit him at all. Or, yeah, or maybe or... may have been blanks even. Yeah. Soon after, the figure just bounded away into the night, once again vanishing. I got even something here that I didn't that I did that I couldn't believe. There was even a letter allegedly sent from Spring Hill Jack, which in, <sighs> which included the following: I could really get into this mass stuff. It's not about power. It's about reaching out to people, touching people, groping people. You gotta admit, I played the stinking city like a hawk from hell. They wouldn't put me on a pedestal, so I'm laying them on a slab. Okay. You okay, Danny? I couldn't resist. I was like, I, might, I was like, I gotta look up some more penguin quotes, see what I could find. <laughs> My lord, the, the colonies are attacking again. <laughs> They're quite angry. I couldn't resist. I had just, like, seen the movie recently, and... I just... This needs to be canon now. There needs to be a Spring Hill Jack movie. It needs to be Danny DeVito. Oh, I would love that. And he needs to... (laughs) Not even an English accent like he should have in 1800s London. Just an angry Philly voice, or Boston. Or whatever he's doing. (laughs) And then we can have the rest of the cast of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia jump in whenever. That'd be beautiful. Yeah, I... I, the fact, because they described Spring Hill as having another you know, white, the white outfit, and yeah, it's like, it just, he's wearing white long johns, dirty white long johns in the movie. I was like, ah, close enough. Yeah, I thought I'd have some fun with it. <laughs> Batman, Ret- <laughs> Batman Returns is a good movie, though. I mean, come on. Is that the one with Keaton? Yeah, the second one. Yeah, that's my, that's my, that's like the Michael Keaton and Mich- I'd my, say that's the second best. After the out, but there was no there was no letter. I want to specify this to people. There's totally I'm, a letter. He's lying to you. I'm just don't believe lies. I'm just bullshitting because I'm not fake some penguin fun. news. <laughs> and there's our first shirt idea: fake penguin <laughs> news. After the Aldershot Garrison, reports started to slowly fizzle out for the next few decades. An angry mob claimed to have chased after what they thought was Spring Hill Jack. A figure dressed in what appeared to be like, you know, a wolf's skin or sheep's skin, dressed up as a bear. But once again, the figure vanished into the night. Of course. As it's as always. The, as you do. As the prophecy foretold. <laughs> Nearing the end of the 19th century, reports of the leaping legend seemed to be coming from the northwest of London, mainly the Midlands and Scotland, but these reports were small stuff mostly allegedly seeing the figure leaping tall fences and gates or even leaping and standing on rooftops. Sort of sort of your stereotypical spot where the brooding hero has to go just to overlook the city. How old is the Assassin's Creed games? I feel like there's a thing. There's a connection there. I feel like he was 
playing too much on the Xbox <laughs> or the PlayStation. Yes. And his mother told him to go play outside. He was like, I'll just do parkour. Maybe that's what Spring Hill Jack was, just an early parkourist. Nah. Uh... <laughs> Okay, that broke you. <laughs> no, no. In the movie, in the Danny DeVito Spring Hill Jack movie, Steve Carell does all his all his uh, stunts and he yells parkour like he does in the office. <laughs> oh god, I can just I can see DeVito doing that to like parkour, yeah. And then just hard, horrible hard cut to Steve Carell like jumping. Just, <laughs> why isn't this movie made yet? Uh, oh boy, Tim, I... get a hold of Steve Carell. What makes never? What makes you think I have it? Never mind. Ten more minutes. <laughs> but, but by 1904, reports of Spring Hill Jack just stopped. So it was 1837 yeah. to 1904. That was 67 years that this alleged scourge had uh, affected. How many had years? 67. Jesus. Yeah, 1837 to 1904. 67 years. Yeah. Nearly 70 years of just horror. Yeah, Mick Jagger's doing pretty good for his age. Oh. What about Keith Richards? He was busy shooting. Fair enough. Something. Fair enough. Of course, now the question that a lot of people have asked, who or what was spring Jack? Were there any suspects? Were there any coincidences? Yes and no. I got yes and no. Yes and maybe. Yeah. No. First off... There were a few suspects, one of which was a man named Thomas Milbank. Milbank Milbank was allegedly the one who attacked Jane Alsop. He actually bragged that he was Spring Hill Jack, and on the night in question, he was wearing white overalls and wearing a dark greatcoat, which he had left behind at the Alsop residence. Milbank wound up escaping conviction because Alsop said it couldn't have been Milbank because Spring-Hilled Jack spat fire. And Milbank couldn't. He couldn't have done it, officer. He didn't spite fire. Policing. <sighs> like, it's like burning a witch at the stake. Well, if you survive, you're clearly a witch, but if you die, well... Yeah, this is one of those instances where it's like, but he said that he was Spring-Hilled... Now, he could have just been a jackass and like, yeah, it was totally me, I'm gonna take the credit for this. He totally could have been chatting it. But... It could have been that, but instead... I don't. I don't know. Again, again, a lot of the stuff from that time. It's. Did anyone check him for tequila? Did they even have tequila back in the eighteen thirties? Did they even have Bacardi one fifty one? I don't think they had that. Nah, sir. He can't make a fireball. Clearly, no. my client is innocent. He admitted to it though. But but he doesn't breathe fire, and he, he can't doesn't le- have fireballs, and he can't leap great distances. That was how a lot of people got out of it, was the fact that, like, well, you can't do that. It's inhuman. I'm innocent, you say? I got one more. I actually have one more and the very most popular suspect that a lot of people wanted to go for was the Marquis of Waterford. That, I guess. High-ranking white guy. Yes. Mm. A, Marquis, a Marquis is a form of nobility. Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah, I actually have it written here. It's above an earl, but below a duke. Some some weird hierarchy. Yeah. yeah. Fancy titles. Yeah, he yeah. was an Irish nobleman, to be specific. His name was Henry de la Poire Beresford, the third Marquis of Waterford. 
Long name. Yeah, that... Long title, too. <laughs> the thing about it is the Marquis found himself in the papers quite often. Usually not in good no. stuff, though. He was known for his drunken antics and fights, as well as his very negative attitude towards women and police. He... Yeah, he very much hated women, and he was very much fuck the police. He did not like any of that at all. So he was MWA. Marquise with attitude. <laughs> I was like, where is he going with this? Okay. Fornicate thy police. <laughs> Fire on the constabulary. <laughs> and just like that, we're a rap podcast. <laughs> Two white boys from Oklahoma. Yeah. Oh, God. In fact, I actually have one of the best... One of the best slash worst drunken incidences of the Marquis. This happened in 1837. In Milton Mowbray. The Marquis and several of his friends had been out drinking and they wanted to pass a toll gate. But the toll keeper wouldn't open the gates until he was paid. I mean, God forbid you use logic like that. I mean, you gotta pay the troll toll to get to the boy's soul, right? How it goes. Yeah. I had to say it properly. Of course, it's... Nah. Uh, Unfortunately for the toll keeper and a responding constable, there was some red paint and brushes and ladders and other stuff because the toll gate was getting renovated. Getting, you know, made it look nice again. Yeah. So... The Marquis and his friends grabbed the red paint and some brushes and used them to paint the tollkeeper, the booth, the constable, and then they proceeded to paint they then proceeded to paint various doors and signs all in a drunken mob, just slattering it everywhere. Responding police officers also got hit with the red paint. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> This was just insane. People, some of them got arrested. Miraculously, miraculously, the Marquis didn't get arrested. Oh, obviously. He managed to get away. He managed to get away, and then he sobered up in the morning. He paid for the damages to people and property. My God, he does more than some people do nowadays. His group, he and his group were put on trial, but they were found not guilty. But they only had to pay a hundred pounds each for assault. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but I... That now, was... Eight, this is 1837. I was going to say, now a time, though. I did some checking. I wanted to actually look into how much the inflation was. Adjusting for the equivalent is the equivalent of 14,324 pounds and some change. Which... Translates in American money. I think I have this number right. $139,032 and some change. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I think I have that right. That's more than my house. Mm, I could be wrong, but I think I have that right. Uh, boy. Yeah. Uh, th- just, just, just for the current, just for the, just for the, because I know the pound. Can you imagine how many Lincolns you could buy with that? Oh, boy. Okay, yeah. Whoops, I was wrong about the numbers. A but, little. A but tad I, off. I got a little off. I mean, I was. I wasn't a math major, so hey, I wasn't even accounting either, so I'm just going to say that I'm an idiot. Accounting correctly. <sighs> I'll say I'm an idiot regardless. But 
still, that's a good chunk of change. I mean, nobody just has $17,000 in their bank account nowadays. <laughs> so imagine being that. Imagine that paying that off. But the reason I did bring up this story for one reason, though, because they were out on the, they were drunken, stupid, and they had a bunch of red paint. They painted doors and signs. This is where this is one of the origins of where we get the phrase paint the town red. I'm not kidding. You've heard the phrase. Uh, Yeah, Mm -hmm. this is where it comes from. This is one of the stories from where it comes from. I was not expecting that. Yeah. All the signs were there. I was looking for... Yeah, all the signs are painted red, too. Shut up. <laughs> Premeditated. Now, saying. now, the Marquis sounds like the right person, right? I mean, negative attitude towards women and police. Big time, you know, big time gets in the papers a lot as a... As an, essentially he's a celebrity. Some, yeah, like, he's, he, he, he is, is a celebrity. He's an 1800 celebrity. Yeah. You think he'd be the right guy, right? Well, Wrong. The Marquis did eventually pass away in 1859, and the Spring Hill Jack sightings continued well past that. Well, he did say it had cold, clammy, dead hands. I mean, was the figure, was this figure... Zombie! What's in your head? (laughs) I mean, was this figure, was this figure a copycat? Was it the Marquis? Could have been a friend of the Marquis's, for all we know. Because, I mean, he was a rich man, and he hung around with a bunch of other aristocratic jackasses. So, could have just been them. And as I said, they were like, oh, these people probably put a wager on that you can mess with these people, mess with the commoner folk. Which may have happened. But did they breathe fireballs? No. Or could this have just been public hysteria? Because, I mean, spring Jack would get it. Like, he was, oh, he was this... You know, enigma, demented-looking gentleman figure, like described yeah. as being a, a a hideous gentleman with the with the white suit and everything. But people, others, they didn't fully describe him, and some say that he was a bear or a demon or a ghost or he just changed appearances. The bear kind of throws me off because it's How people. You... People reported seeing what they thought was this was this man-sized bear. Wearing, wearing like, wearing like, you're thinking it. I can see you think it. Say it. Bear, bear pig. Man, bear pig. Man, bear pig. Man, bear pig. <laughs> <laughs> was right. Don't say man, bear pig. <laughs> That's how it you. <laughs> I know, like people, like people wearing like, yeah, like furs, fur cloaks. furs, and running on all fours. There were reports of that too. Some people thought that was Spring Hill Jack. Others just thought it was somebody playing a prank. I would hope. I, mean, I would hope someone would say something if they saw a bear. A bear. A bear. I don't know what accent that was, but okay. No, but so did anyone... Here's my here's my question so far. Has okay. anyone gotten a good description of his face? Just the fact that he was a devilish-looking gentleman. That's what some of them described. So... So I so a lot of people have drawn Spring Hill Jack and they take the devilish appearance. They either make him have a mask on with like horns and stuff, yeah. or they make him look like your stereotypical English gentleman with a Van Dyke beard and the mustache. Yeah. So you. A little bit like me. Yeah, a little bit like you. But usually more angular features. I have yeah. very round features. But 
before I go on, I did look into the types of jumps that spring Jack could do. A normal human being would actually break their ankles by trying to attempt those. Yeah. But something got me curious. I got curious about two things. The high jump and the long jump. Since Jack could do both of those, the world record for men's long ju- for men's high jump is Javier Sotomayor at 2.45 meters or 8 feet and a quarter inches. This was 1993. <clears throat> for women's for women's it was Stefka Kostadinova at 2.09 meters or 6 feet 10 and a quarter inches in 1987. So he Probably didn't jump nine feet. Nope. Without assistance. Yeah. This is that's that's just the world records. That's not even the Olympic records. The Olympic records, the Olympic records aren't even the world records. The Olympic wow. record, the Olympic record goes to Charles Austin, an American from an American who put it at two point three nine meters or seven feet ten inches in nineteen ninety six, and then Yelena Syriasenko at 2.06 meters, which is 6 foot 9 inches, in 2004. That's just the high jumps. That's your, there's your world records for the first one, and your and, and Olympic record. And they that they saw him jump over a 9 foot fence? 9-foot fence. Some even to say that he didn't just leap over, like they say that he actually like, like he bounded. Cle- yeah, like he cleared it. Yeah. Like there was no like, oh, I might there, not make this. It was Yeah, there was nothing, like like fully over. Then the long jump, which is kind of where I started with all this, uh, the long jump, the world record for the long jump was by American Mike Powell at 8.95 meters, which is 29 feet, four and a quarter inches in 1991. No, I can do that. This is the world record. <laughs> the, that's for the men's. The women's world record is Galina Chistikova in 7.52 meters, 24 feet, eight inches. In 1988, when she was in the USSR. These people, though, they had a running start. Yeah. Allegedly, spring Hill Jack could just, just bing, boing, boing. Yeah. That, would, that would, under normal circumstances, for, normal pe- for average people, easily break your ankles. Yeah. All that stress, you I wouldn't... Mean, I mean, that would put stress on the world record athletes. Yeah, even then. Because they have to train basically their entire lives. Yeah. For that. And other people are like, well, maybe he had uh, special mechanisms in his shoes. Spring Hill. I don't think that that would have been possible even at the time. Because sure, the Victorian era, everybody knows it as this age of technology and the Industrial Revolution. But I don't think there were that many inventions going in like that that could have been precise. Because Mm -hmm. you ever seen a spring actually like blowing away? It's it's chaotic. It's not yeah. going to be in order. So he would, he would if he had special springs in his shoes. The capabilities are, are not met by the times. With that, yes, there there was no way to control. The only thing I can think of is is, is if he had them, like in his spr- or in his heels, if he like rotated down. But even then, you still have a tightened spring just sitting in your in your heel. Yeah. If you hit your button or trigger or whatever, that's just going to send your leg off into space. Yeah. 
and then you're still not doing nine feet on one spring, mm-hmm. especially if you're a fat white Marquise. Oh, he wasn't. Oh, the Marquis wasn't. Uh, well, I know, but like, if you're a rich aristocrat, yeah, okay, okay. you're not gonna have. You can't jump six feet by yourself, also, let alone with a spring. Also, I'm just thinking the torque on the springs. Yeah, like instead, they, like they would have like the amount of compression inside of them would require so much more than just yeah. a simple boing. You'd have to like have a full on pong. Yeah, and then if it goes the wrong way and goes into your heel. You really do have a spring heel. Yeah, it's going to hurt you. But, I mean, considering the different changes in spring heel jacks descriptions, Mm -hmm. because people say, you know, a ghost, a bear, a devil. uh, Danny DeVito. Yeah. (laughs) From the various eyewitnesses, he may have been nothing more than the product of mass hysteria. Because everything back then was a lot of hearsay, just by mouth. So, it's easy to get freaked out like a couple of people had full-on encounters with this figure... And that's going to make people get scared. I'm not going to kid you. I have had my instances when I was younger when I would hear stories about just basic things. Like even, not to get too specific, but like even reading about um, that uh, in one of the Batman movies. Mm. Kind of keeping up with the theme today with Batman, I guess. (laughs) Uh, In um, The Dark Knight Rises... That was uh-huh. the third one. That was yep. the that was the final one of the Bale of the Bale Batman. Yeah. Uh, I remember when the Aurora, Colorado shooting happened. Oh, yeah. When that happened, and they said, and I remember reading it said twenty minutes in, and that mm-hmm. and twenty minutes in was when the shooter did his thing, and there was a large, and it's a twenty minutes in. There was a there was a gunfight on the screen, mm-hmm. and I was watching the movie, and I was timing it like. 20 minutes and I was actually scared to be in the movie theater just like what if someone tries it again I mm-hmm. I actually was making myself a little spooked yeah mass hysteria is definitely could definitely have been a factor and honestly like um with the armory incident with the uh patrol officer yeah he could have just blamed it because he was dicking around and wasn't at his post or wasn't you know wasn't doing his job and yeah. If you ha- hear these stories about a Spring Hill Jack, you know, devil man creature thing jumping around and you fire off a shot or you're not paying attention and your superior catches you. Uh, uh I saw a Spring Hill Jack. That might have been another. It might have been. A like, g- that's a good one. Yeah. Like there's easy outs on some of these. Because it also all <laughs> happens at night. So it's real. It was, yeah. Most of it happened at night. So it was very easy to just go. Oh, yeah. No, I totally saw him, and yeah, I totally. shot at him, and nothing happened. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. I was paying attention to what I was doing. Yeah. Uh, I also, also, there's also the classic fear that Hollywood created mm-hmm. of quicksand. <laughs> Do you remember, like, did you ever not, like... Weird segue, but I know, okay, I know, but, let's but go no, with But this. no, it's, like, true. Like, a lot of people, like, yeah, myself included... Around uh, quicksand like, you're gonna, like, like, you're going to encounter it at some point, and it's, you're, like... Whoa, I got freaked out over nothing. I've never seen quicksand in my life. Exactly. You got yeah. freaked out over nothing as a kid. Yeah. So that's kind of what may have been this. In fact, in the early 19th century, most in, in England as well as you know other parts of Europe, is even in the even in America, even in the early America, there were reports of people seeing ghosts just wandering the streets. Yeah. 
Still eh. is, I'm sure. Yeah, truly a ghost story is that people could talk about being stalked by seemingly incorporeal beings. There was even an infamous ghost story called the Ham- called the Hammersmith Ghost. And where was that? In, in-, in- England. Oh, Hammersmith Odeon. Hammersmith, yeah, Hammersmith Ghost. Yeah. Uh, in 1804, yeah, in, near the end of 1803, this is from Wikipedia. I'm just going to cheat on this one. This is from Wikipedia. Plagiarism! <laughs> Your college professors are so disappointed in you. I know, sir. right? I'm horrible. Near the end of 1803, many people claim to have seen or even been attacked by a ghost in the Hammersmith area of London, a ghost believed by locals to be the spirit of a suicide victim. On January 3rd, 1804, a 29-year-old excise officer, excise officers are um, duty to manufacture goods, like they kept an eye on, um, on like, fabric, on, like, a tactile. Okay. Tact- so. Not tactile, textile, textile, textile. factories. Uh Named Francis Smith, he was a num he was a member of one of the armed patrols set up in the wake of the reports. He shot and killed a bricklayer named Thomas Millwood, mistaking the white clothes of Millwood's trade for a shroud of ghostly apparitions. Smith was found guilty of murder and sentenced to death. Later, commuted to one year's hard labor. Like that was an incident that did occur. Yeah. All because people thought they saw a ghost in the yeah. early eighteen in the early nineteenth century. And I mean, honestly, with the with the close encounters of Spring Hill, like at the doors, and him actually leaving marks and attacking people, the aristocrat, you know, whoever it was, could have just put on a mask, just could have put on some clothes, had some claws made, or had them, you know, could have fabricated them somehow, some way, yeah, Freddy Krueger style, <clears throat> yeah, and been like, this is a good way to assault women. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. Just how some with, people were back then. Yeah, and with the fireball, I mean, um, like the Hunchback of Notre Dame, there's a scene with the narrator, the juggler guy, the jester. Yeah, like, Clopin. Yeah, cool. he blows like a fireball yeah. with like a stick and some lighter fluid. Well, not lighter fluid, but... Uh, a high-grain alcohol, yeah, I think, would have been it. Yeah, high-grain alcohol. If anyone's going to have access to high-grain alcohol and that kind of clothing... Could have been him, but... Could have been, it could have been a higher, you know, an aristocrat or a higher, or a wealthy person I guess. just messing with people. Yeah. Heck, some of the ghost stories that people have said that they witnessed, mm-hmm. they claim that these ghosts had would leap over 10-foot walls. They're ghosts that can go through the walls? Again, again, I think it was hysteria, and also <laughs> something, and also there was a post I saw online, I, it was, it was, from Tumblr, but it had creeped its way into Facebook, as most of things do. And it said, wasn't it interesting how after after thing, after we went electric, a lot of ghost stories stopped? And I'm thinking, you might be right. Gas can cause hallucinations, as well as the fact that, like, the different uh, paint that they used for walls was also capable of causing hallucinations. There was a lot of stuff that There's... back then really messed up a lot of people. There's a podcast. I think you listen to it as well, but it's from I don't know if I can if I should or will mention it, but there's a show that's a half hour long and it's quite morbid. I haven't seen that one actually yet. It they discuss that specifically. Interesting. The gas leaking in back into the house, um not proper um filtration yep. of chemical, the paint um, all the medicine 
that they used to take. Yay, All opium. that could have been factors that turned into this mess of ghosts and goblins and Spring Hill Jacks. Yeah, and because I mean, it, they ended in 1904, which was you know turn of the century, so things have slowly been progressing Everyone's forward. Starting to get you know clearer headspace. Yeah, everyone's uh, starting to open their windows. Yep. The in fact, Spring Hill Jack. After, you know, the 1900s, even part of the late 1890s, became something more of a boogeyman in British folklore after all oh, this. absolutely, yeah. Yeah, parents would tell their kids to behave and go to sleep, or else spring Jack would breathe fire on them and steal them into the night, appearing at their windows like, hey, which is pretty creepy. Pretty creepy. <laughs> hey, you got any Jimmy John's in there? <laughs> I'm not about Jimmy John's, by the way. No, far from it, far, far from it. Yeah, James Jonathan has nothing to do with us. Oh, he actually got canned out of his position. Doesn't surprise me. All right. But, um, what was I saying? I, Jimmy Johns. Uh, scooting uh, away from I, uh-huh. I do have... <laughs> funny enough, though, spring Hill Jack did lead to a few things. During the time that spring Hill Jack was quote-unquote active, many Penny Dreadfuls would be produced that talked about him. Oh, of course. Yeah, and people who don't know, Penny Dreadfuls are cheap serial literature, truly the beginnings of pulp fiction. Science fiction, horror, fantasy, the basic stuff. A lot of the fun stuff. Horror comics. Yeah, back then, back then it was pulp fiction. And this is where we would get figures like Sweeney Todd and Dick Turpin. No idea who the last one is. Dick Turpin was a highwayman uh, in England. No, no, that's Willie Nelson. (laughs) Was, he was a highwayman in England, and his exploits were romanticized in these uh, Penny Dreadfuls. Okay. Just because back then, a lot of those figures... It's like how we have a lot of Old old West outlaws. We romanticize yeah. them. It's that sort of thing. Yeah. That's what these Penny Dreadfuls did. And they were and they were also usually, you know, 8 to 16 pages long. So, about the size of a standard, maybe half a standard comic book. Yep. And, as the name suggests, they cost one British penny. Which wasn't very much. Very cheap, very cheap literature. Spring Hill was initially depicted as a villain. You know, attacking, attacking oh, wealthy yeah. aristocrats uh, yeah. and farmers. But slowly took on a more anti-heroic tone. Like, he wasn't bad, but he wasn't good. He just kind of, just was like, meh. Like, this person did me wrong, I'm gonna mess with him. <laughs> meh. <laughs> and he eventually eventually went on to become more altruistic, defending the weak and the innocent. Of course, he was, the British had to romanticize him into a Robin Hood. He eventually became a Robin Hood figure, dressed in, dressing in suits, having supernatural powers. This truly led to what would be the beginning of comic book heroes. He is one of the first cases of a figure with supernatural powers and a secret identity. But did he breathe a fireball? They may have in that, but there weren't. There are only a handful of only a handful of like penny dreadfuls left. Like no, yeah, only I'm a couple sure of them because absolutely invaluable. Some of them got because most of them got you know burned and thrown yeah, away, trashed, thrown in the river. There's yeah. Yeah, there's only a handful that exist that they usually depict Spring Hill Jack wearing almost like a almost like a medieval style Batman attire with a with a point with a pointed cap. You've probably seen them, but... Oh, I, yeah, I'm, I I think I can picture in my head. Yeah, where 
with a devilish-looking face, wearing what looks like a Batman cap with a feather in it, holding up his cloak like a pair of bat wings, wearing white pants, and then having these large boots. I sent you, I sent you the image. Just full-on looks like a very flamboyant Batman. Yep, that's exactly the one I was thinking of. That's the easiest one. That looks like Dick Dastardly <laughs> cosplaying at a DC convention. Yeah, pretty much. There were there were a couple other figures back then as well who led up to these, who led up to you know uh, superheroes. The Scarlet Pimpernel came. That's actually one of them. Oh, okay, I'm good. I'm you good? good? You yeah. get the, that's a name that caught you off guard, huh? <laughs> I'm the Scarlet Pimpernel. Well, yeah, Scarlet Pimpernel uh, came out in 1905. It was a historical fiction about, and this is just the base of it, it is set during the Reign of Terror in France. It is about a chivalrous Englishman who rescues his aristocratic friends before they are sent to the guillotine. Sir Percy Blankney leads a double life, apparently nothing more than a wealthy fop, but in reality, a formidable swordsman and a quick-thinking master of disguise and escape artist. His calling card... His calling card is the flower called the Scarlet Pimpernel, which is just this cute little red flower. So very much, very much a French Revolution version of Batman by just the description alone. Master of disguise, wealthy, claims to be a, you know, is a fop by the public, dresses all finery. Yeah. So he's more Iron Man than anything. Give or take, but he's not like, I am Iron Man. I am the Scarlet Pimpernel. No, he's like, I must not let my identity be known. (laughs) (laughs) This is why we don't let the British do comics. The Scarlet Pimpernel. That is what they did back then. Back then, that was like, back then, that was some great literature in 1905. And people have actually said it's a very good read. It's on my list. (laughs) But anyway, going a little more contemporary, Spring Hill Jack, Spring Hill Jack has appeared in contemporary means. Yes, like he has appeared. What mostly books, audio dramas, not a lot of like physical medias. There's only really one instance where I can recall him appearing in a physical, like a visual medium. Jackie Chan Adventures. Oh my god, man. Yeah. I just got... Oh, my God. You remember that show. Fortunate Son's playing now. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the best shows, but yeah, Spring-Heeled Jack, that's one of the first times I ever met him. I actually learned of the figure. um, Appeared. But instead of being, you know... But instead of being a harmful, demonic gentleman, Spring-Heeled Jack in this one was a short, troll-like figure who spoke in rhymes... (laughs) With boots that had giant springs in the soles. I just looked him up. Yeah. Oh, wow. Pretty goofy looking, isn't he? Oh, that brought back some memories. Yeah. This and this spring Jack was hell-bent on revenge for being turned to stone by uh, a wizard or a magician. A magician called Simon Magus. That's it, from centuries ago. He was after... He was after uh, Magus's uh, descendants. There we yep. go, descendants. But that's all I have on Spring Hill Jack. There's a, there's a Jackie Chan Adventures wiki page. Yeah. Yep. I did a lot of looking on that, too. 
<laughs> Hard to believe that, huh? I feel so old. Yeah, I feel old too, dude. But that being said, thank you all for listening to Tall and Short with Tim and Tony. I'm Tim. I'm Tony. And next time, our next time our episode next episode is going to be the goat. Hope it doesn't suck. You mean talking about warthogs? <laughs> but Walrus. so be sure to stick around for it. Anyway. Pumas. If you want to interact with us, you can send us an email to tallandshortpod at gmail.com or you can find us or you can find us on Instagram at tallandshortpod and Facebook at tallandshortpodcast. 